Repechage round one is in the books. The November test window officially opened. We had some great results for several America's teams and another huge weekend of rugby ahead. This is... Um, uh... Right, so we still don't have a name for this thing. We've had a few decent suggestions, so please keep them coming if you have them. Uh, I guess right now it's just the uh, the ARN podcast. Uh, that seems kind of bland to me, but what do I know? Anyways, we'll, we'll sort that out eventually. Uh, good news, we are now on iTunes, YouTube, Acast, SoundCloud, and Spotify. If you're on Podcast Addict, apparently you can do an iTunes search to find us. Uh, if you have any more suggestions, of course, let us know. Uh, looking back at the week that was Uruguay defeated by Ulster in Belfast, uh, Argentina fell to Ireland Chile lost to a Sudamerica 15, and the Eagles with a last gasp win over Samoa, thanks to Will Hooley. Very happy, obviously. I'm also part, like, I think we're a bit disappointed in our performance overall. We were, we really should have killed that game. We were 15-0 up um, after 20 minutes and in a really good place. And, and I think, uh, you know, we, we, we let slip a few really easy tries. So I like to think we could have won the game a lot easier. But look, it means a lot for the boys. It's the first time, I think, in 15-odd years since uh, we've beaten the Pacific Islander team. So uh, for that, we can, uh, you know, be happy and move on. And we'll get into all of those uh, results in more detail shortly. Uh, the first round of the World Cup repechage was on Sunday. Canada up first. Bit of a rocky first half against Kenya, but then they ran away with it in the second half. Here's what Phil Mack had to say after the game. You know, hats off to uh, Kenya. They really made us tackle. And, um, you know, they're super dangerous. So we're just happy the way we dealt with them in the first half particularly. And, um, you know, it's good to get a win. Uh, we'll reflect on this game and um, you know see what we need to uh, fix and improve on. But we know it's going to be a different story. They have a big physical pack, so um, you know we're going to have to front up in that department. But um, for us right now, we'll enjoy this, have a look at the review, and then have a look at Germany. In the other match, a real arm wrestle between Hong Kong and Germany. The big German forwards just with too much power in the end. Uh, here's Captain Michael Popmeyer. Uh, it was extremely intense, 80 minutes. As you can see, we are definitely a happy bunch. First 40 was cool, and then I think we, our fitness maybe got us towards the end, the last 20. Our subs as well came on and put in a massive effort. Quite clear in this game that it was 100% fight, as well as a little bit of belief and probably preparation. Now we focus on Canada, that's our next game. We'll see how tomorrow goes, we'll probably have a little bit of a break, and then 100% focus towards Canada, one step at a time. And our last guest today has a pretty good idea of how Germany's preparations have been going, so I don't want to spoil anything just yet. Uh, the women's Eagles played England, a pretty controversial red card to Megan Rom early in the match. I don't want to get into too much detail on it i actually recommend checking out the discussion between pete steinberg and dan power on the latest mlr kickoff podcast but i'll just say this if you sat down a group of people and showed them a clip of that incident and then one of the tackle uh, in quotations on sean davies and then told them that one was a yellow card and one was a red i'm pretty sure about 99 people out of 100 would say the opposite of what actually happened. And the only exception would be someone trolling or maybe a world rugby lawmaker. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, 
the women's selects then beat England Academy 25-24 on Tuesday, so a great pick-me-up after a couple tough results. Uh, the last match of the tour is on Sunday against Ireland. You can watch that for free on the Irish Rugby YouTube channel. Don't miss out on that. Uh, the Canadian women also, they start their tour on Sunday with a game against England. Uh, that one's going to be on the England Rugby Facebook page. So it's time for our first guest. Uh, one of the big events of the weekend, if not the big event, was Brazil versus the Maori in front of a record crowd in Sao Paulo. Uh, 35-3, the final score for the New Zealanders. Uh, who better to talk about the game than Brazil's star fly half, Josh Reeves? I spoke to him earlier in the week. Josh, thanks for joining us. You played for Brazil against the New Zealand Maori in front of almost 35,000 people in Sao Paulo on Saturday. And before the game was announced, did you ever imagine yourself being in that situation? No, no not at all. Um, grew up in New Zealand, obviously. So the last thing you, um, you ever expect is to play, play against New Zealand. Obviously, I grew up wanting to play in the black jersey myself. And uh, so the last thing you think you'll ever do is, is play against the New Zealanders themselves. Um, and then during the week, it was just, uh, we were hearing some numbers, you know, we were hearing 20,000, 25,000 for the game, but then uh, 35,000 was just awesome. The people really turned out and it was just an awesome experience. Eh? As you say, you're from New Zealand, from Christchurch, uh, as I understand it. You spent some time in Ireland as a student a few years back, pretty normal rugby adventure. So how did you end up in Brazil? Uh, so when I was in Ireland, I was playing for the Wanderers Club there and I, um, I, met, I met, uh, met my wife. Uh, Anna, she's a Brazilian woman. We met there and uh, spent some time together there and then we uh, headed to New Zealand. We lived in New Zealand for a couple of years and then in 2014 we decided to, to come to Brazil. The Crusaders were involved with with Brazilian rugby at the time and I had some good contacts at the Crusaders, being from Christchurch, obviously, so I was in contact with them and, and I could see that uh, rugby was really growing in Brazil, so just a, it was a pretty easy choice in the end, to be fair, and it's worked out really well. So from the beginning, was this something you looked at as, as a permanent move then, as you were going? Permanent, maybe not. No, I mean, we were just, we, we were coming over, certainly just to, just to have it, give it a go. You know, we'd given New Zealand a, a good go. I'd given rugby a real good go there. I sort of saw the, the writing was on the wall for me there as I wasn't, probably wasn't going to get any further ahead with my career. And so we just decided, you know, it was good. Anna wanted to come back, be a bit closer to her family. So, uh, but it's worked out just really well. So when you arrive, was it in the back of your mind that maybe you could one day play for Brazil at all? I suppose it sort of was. I suppose I had it in, in my head a little bit. You know, if I do, if we do stay, if we do like it, then obviously I'll, I'll keep playing and I'll keep trying to play the highest level I can. But um, at that time, Brazilian rugby still hadn't sort of taken many steps forward on the international stage. I think when I got here, we still hadn't beaten Chile. Uh, we were still battling a little bit with Paraguay. The tournaments like the America's Rugby Championship hadn't uh, hadn't started and hadn't even been discussed. So I suppose even the idea of playing for Brazil, which was was exciting, but certainly I didn't realise it would uh, it would turn into the sort of the career that it's turned into. And how accepting has the Brazilian rugby community been for you? You know, as a foreigner, uh, not only playing in the country but playing for the country. They've been really good. They've been really good. I, I suppose I played a couple of um, couple of seasons of club rugby here managed to play pretty well and and so i mean everyone's just really accepting eh? i try and get out as much as possible and do lots of i'm always coaching club teams or or doing as much as much as i can so i know plenty of people in the community now so it's it's they've just accepted me really well i think everyone's pretty favorable of new zealand rugby like any, anywhere you go around the world eh? so pretty lucky for that really 
So getting back to to Saturday's game for a minute here, uh, what was the buildup like? Were the, were the players as a team aware of the enormity of the occasion? The players certainly were. The players certainly were. I suppose the only um, doubt we might have maybe had was whether or not the public was was aware of how big the situation was. You know, we certainly knew how big how big a game it was going to be for us, but because the the biggest biggest previous crowd had been what was it eleven twelve thousand, I suppose in our minds you're never quite sure. Um, you're never quite sure how many people are going to turn out, but I think they just did a really good job of of selling the game, of getting it out there, and the Brazilian people just really, just really bought in and and just really turned out. Eh? Like they turned out and they turned out with a lot of energy as well. It was just a, an incredible experience. As I understand it, you've actually played at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin in a club match, some 2011, yeah. something like that. So, yeah. so you've experienced the big stadium before, but I imagine this felt a little bit different. Yeah, it was probably the noise during the game was probably the biggest difference for me. Uh, always, we've played in front of crowds and we've played in big stadiums. We tend to play in big stadiums here in Brazil, um, but with it, with it usually being smaller crowds, we usually don't have any difficulty with with noise and stuff. But this game, the the energy, the, the the crowd was just so noisy that a lot of the time we had to we had to get really close to communicate and and, and that type of thing. So that's certainly what took me back. You know, it's just before the game. You're staring down the the Timatanga, the Marihaka. Uh, the, the team is has an interesting response where you all kind of linked arms and you're kind of leaning forward together. Whose idea was that, and what was the intent there? Yeah, the the arm linking is actually something that we do. Um, we do with our in our own team anyway. So within our huddle, what we do is um, it's quite simple. It's sort of like so if I'm huddled up. On my left, if I've played more games than the bloke on my left, then my arms above his. If I've played less games than the game than the bloke on my right, then my arms under him, under his, and we sort of create that unity as a team. And then the, from what I understand, the the arm linking is uh, somewhat of a Brazilian indigenous tradition as well, uh, showing of unity, a showing of strength. Um, and so we just thought it was uh, really fitting for us. It was certainly something um, that we felt really comfortable doing, you know, because we talked during the week and, and different teams do different things. And, and what we just didn't want is, is the guys are having this experience of watching the hucker for the first time. And you just don't want an experience where the guys start getting too anxious or, or, or getting intimidated, if you like, or, or, or being by themselves. So we just wanted to create as much unity as possible and just try and transmit the energy between us so we could use the hucker to, to our advantage, basically, as well. Awesome experience. It was fourteen nothing at halftime. What was the talk like at that point? Talk like at halftime was pretty positive. We there was a couple of areas that we thought we could uh, make some inroads, and the scrum was one of the things that we did discuss at halftime. And the fact that like we had a couple of penalties in the first half, closer to their line where we probably could have called scrums, and we decided to go to the line. We felt coming into the game that we were going to have a really good scrum, just from the form that we've had uh, against other strong scrummaging nations like Argentina and, and Georgia. So we were confident with that going into the game and then just try and maybe control a bit, bit more position, um, see if we can put them under a little bit more pressure. But we knew our defence was going really good and that we were, we were able to get up and put enough pressure on them to, for them not to be able to really do what they what they do best, which is get it through the hands and show their skills. So we were pretty comfortable at halftime, yeah. Talking about the scrum, obviously one of the kind of viral clips going around right now is that you know, yeah. huge scrum, unbelievable. Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't a, a last-second game winner, but is that the most pressure you've ever felt lining up a kick after that scrum? It's up there. Yeah, it probably is up there. You're probably right just with the, the energy of the crowd. But at, at the same time, I felt pretty confident, I suppose, because it, there was just so much There was just so much support there for us. Eh? So uh, it's up there. It's up there, but it's probably not not the most pressure. But uh, I got lucky. I thought I'd missed it, and I think the... Uh, I think the energy of the crowd just dragged it in and, and bounced it off the upright. So, 
<laughs> it went in, and yeah. then right at the death, kind of a, a cruel twist of fate. It looked like you had the the try there, the the ball in your hands just spilling forward. Was that just? Yeah, with ball, and I just got really just sort of flustered by the whole situation. I thought that I thought we'd we'd made a knock on. I didn't quite know how it came up came out on their side, and I. I thought I was miles offside and the ref sort of let it go. And so it was all just a mix of things. And <laughs> in the end, I just dropped the ball. So um, the boys had me on about that one, I tell you. <laughs> uh, a lot of people going into the game figured this would be a blowout, especially considering the way uh, the USA game went, that four players were coming in from the All Blacks. I, I think most came away from the game, though, pretty impressed. How did the team feel about the result? We felt that... Um, yeah, oh, really happy, I think. I think really happy to, to keep them to 35 points, five tries, really happy. We knew that the rain helped us a lot. We were, you know, we're not going to lie about that. We know that, I mean, the rain helped us a lot in two factors because we wanted to pressure as much as possible, so that helped a lot. Uh, and the fact that it caused a lot of, caused them to make a lot of mistakes and it helped us, um, it created more scrums during the game, so we knew that was going to be a strength for us. We were pretty pretty satisfied. We, we're looking at the video this week. There was probably a couple of opportunities where we could have, Tried to attack a little, you know. We wanted to attack a little bit more, as you do in a game like this. Um, we played a fairly conservative throughout the game. Pretty, pretty satisfied. Pretty satisfied. Uh, you didn't play in the win over the USA in 2016, but you're certainly around the team. Uh, you played in the win over Canada last year. This year, you won the South American Championship, beating an Argentina 15 for the first time ever. Also yeah. beat the Georgia 15 in Tbilisi, a big road win. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty massive results, really, for Brazilian rugby. So, uh, for you, what's the next step for Brazil? Next step for us is really just having a really good bite at the uh, the Americas Rugby Championship next year. You know, we've we feel now that we've we've topped off everyone except except USA and Uruguay, and we've come really close against Uruguay a number of times. We feel like we can really challenge every team in that competition now. So it'll just be about getting up for the Americas as much as possible, being trying to be really consistent. Like last year, for example, we had a couple of couple of good weeks, and then a really down week against Canada, um, and then some solid weeks to finish. So it's just about trying to get consistent um, throughout the five weeks for the Americas next year, and and trying to knock off, um, trying to knock off maybe a Canada here in Brazil. Certainly, get a first win against Uruguay would be would be great. So first win for this generation, and we've got you know a huge game against USA there as well after a after a week off. So. So it's an exciting. It's going to be a really exciting Americas for us, and we know the other teams are going to be coming with everything. Because they're all, most of them are preparing. Probably Canada looks like they've got a good chance of qualifying for the World Cup now. So most of the teams will be preparing for World Cup cycle. So it's just going to be an awesome, an awesome Americas Rugby Championship. Kind of looking at the overall landscape, we've seen uh, the United States. They've added Major League Rugby now. Uh, they've had a, a full season of that. Canada's putting in a team next year, the Toronto Arrows. And uh, the talks now, South America is going to have a professional competition reportedly in 2020. But in the meantime, yep. we've seen a number of uh, Brazil players. I think we, there were eight of you down there at the uh, the Combine yeah. in, in Glendale. Uh, you know, w- what was that like? Did you think that was a, a productive week? Uh, it sounds like uh, we've got some of you guys going over there now. Is, is this uh, is this an important thing for Brazilian rugby to get players into this professional competition? It was. It was. An, it was an awesome week. All the guys really enjoyed it, especially from a just from a rugby standpoint. Eh? Like World Rugby really turned it on in terms of the coaching staff they had there, and and there was a knowledge, a lot of knowledge passed through to us. So that was a real, real positive week for us. And I think what what we managed to do, what the eight guys managed to do, was just to who was there, just to show that basically just to show the quality of work that is getting done here in Brazil on a on a daily basis. You know, we're 
every day we're working on our skills, every day we're in the gym, every day we're working on our conditioning. Eh? So it was just a really a, a good week to to show off the the development, if you like, of, of how things are going here in Brazil. Because, I mean, there was eight of us there, but we could have easily taken another another three or four guys that would have impressed as well, you know. Now, you've actually signed for the Utah Warriors, so you're going to be playing, uh, as far as right now goes, you're the first Brazil international to make that jump. I'd been talking to them for a few weeks, even a, a, a little bit of time before the before the Americas Combine, and, and it's just a good fit for me. A Kiwi coach, Alf Daniels, he seems like a great coach and a nice guy, and uh, good Polynesian-based players there, which I've, I'm really um, used to playing with. I played with a lot of lot of guys like that back in NZ, and, and I'm just really excited to get amongst that get amongst that group and and uh, give my best for those guys eh? and you've been a player coach pretty much since arriving in brazil so i'm assuming you're going to utah strictly as a as a professional player uh is that a relief that you can just go and concentrate on your own game yeah absolutely yeah yeah and and i've, I've gone sort of here in brazil I've, I've gone back and forth at different times coaching on uh focusing on just playing with and picking up a little bit of coaching at times i, I find the the, the coaching at the same time, is as good as well, just because it keeps me uh, keeps me keeps me fresh in terms of in terms of uh, whatever techniques I might want to be using as a player and, and and how I see the game playing, you know. So it'll be great. It'll be great to just be able to focus on my my playing for sure. So the the plan for the Uruguay players seems to be spend one year in MLR, then head back south to play in the new South American professional competition that's coming up, uh, twenty twenty, the target date. Is that kind of your intention as well? Is that what the Brazil guys are going to do? Yeah, I'd probably, most likely, I'd say. Contract I've got with with Utah is a, a one year with a with a second year option. So, and you never know, like nothing's obviously guaranteed for in terms of twenty twenty. So the main thing now is just have a really good twenty nineteen and um, see where things are at for twenty twenty in terms of a whether it's a South American league, whether it's, um, you know, depending on how I played for Utah, that type of thing. So main thing now is just having a really good season and, 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 and you know, figuring out the future in about a year's time. Have you, did you catch any of the, uh, the first season at all? Like, do, do you have any kind of uh, idea of, of what the standard of rugby is like there? I know you just you yeah, played in that. Yeah, I, wa- I watched a few of the games during the year, and then, and then since signing with Utah, I've gone back and watched, um, I think, all of, the, all of their games. Um, it's a, I think it's a good good level, really good level of, of, of rugby. Like really intense. There's a lot of really good athletes. It's a it's a how would you say like it's a it's a modern brand of rugby right throughout throughout the seven teams that were in last year. It's, it's probably it's got I think it's got huge potential as a competition, uh, especially because it's pushing that real modern modern style of rugby. Talking about that, we're not entirely sure what what's going to happen in the 2020 talk is that the South American uh, professionals competition is going to start. Then we certainly know there's, uh, there's, there's progress being made anyways. Uh, do you think the interest is there in Brazil now to support professional rugby? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think if they're able to uh, do a good job with marketing, if they're able to um, get clubs involved, I know that's, you know, one thing talking to Utah, one thing they've done really well is they, they're trying to uh, link it with the community as much as possible. And I'm sure the other teams in the Major League Rugby do that as well. So that's that's key. Um, and so if Brazilian rugby can do that, because there's, there's l- loads of interest in rugby in Brazil. Um, that's just about, and as you saw with the Maldi game, I suppose it's just about um, being able to control and concentrate that interest in the in the areas that you want it to. So so if you know if we've got two franchises here in Brazil, if they're able to do a good job of marketing, if they're able to link themselves to the local clubs. Um, 
have it so that the community feels like they're really a part of the a part of the the, the professional franchise. I think it'll I think it'll do a great job because that's that's certainly what I felt on the on the weekend was that the thirty five thousand people that were there and from the reactions post game is that a lot of people that are supporting us really feel like they are part of the the journey that we're going on for the for the national team. Very exciting time for Brazil rugby right now. Before I let you go, one last question I got to know. So it's it's you versus Moise Duque in a kicking competition. One caveat, <laughs> he has to use his left foot and you have to use your right. Who wins? <laughs> Moise wins that one, I think, because he, he works on his left foot a lot more than I work on my right foot. <laughs> yeah. right. And plus, you know, the Brazilian, he grew up playing football, eh? so he knows how to kick off both feet. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, well, thanks, Josh. Best of luck. Uh, you've actually uh, a couple games just announced. Uh, Tucumán and Salt. A little trip to Argentina. Are you going to be making that yeah. trip? Yep, yep. So we're, we're taking a pretty strong team on that trip, and that's just all about preparation for the Americas for next year. Another couple of games. It'll be great for us. Was there any frustration that uh, you didn't get more tests in this November period? Um, frustration, no. I think uh, we were just really focused on the Māori. It would have been it would have been really positive for us if we'd have had a couple of games leading into the Māori game. You know, we we certainly felt a bit rusty. Oh, rusty. You know, we certainly felt a bit uh, a bit under underplayed, I suppose, coming into the game. But um, oh, that's just the way it is for us at the moment. You know, we we uh, we take it take it as it as it lies and and go 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 ahead as we can. All right. Well. Best of luck uh, on that little Argentina trip, of course, in the America's Rugby Championship. And uh, look forward to watching you in, in Major League Rugby. Thanks for joining us, Josh. No problem at all. Thanks very much, eh? And that was Josh Reeves, fly half for Ostupis, and a soon-to-be favorite for the Utah Warriors faithful. I can guarantee that. Uh, I said we get into the weekend's results more, and it's also good to get another perspective on the, uh, the Maori game. So let's bring on our own Paul Tate now. Paul, we survived the first weekend of the November internet, the fully laden uh, November internationals. <laughs> anyway, uh, I guess the big story of the weekend has to be Brazil uh, and you being in Brazil, of course, is very convenient. Uh, Brazil playing the New Zealand Maori down at the at Morumbi, uh, almost 35,000 people, the 34 and a half. They're, they're saying, what's your impression? What's the buzz like down in Brazil? The buzz is huge, absolutely. Uh, I'm still getting uh, messages on WhatsApp from former rugby teammates of mine and friends and, and just people that, that know I'm involved in rugby but don't even watch the sport. Just They were sending me messages, oh, are you watching the game? And then sending messages uh, afterwards. Uh, you know, everyone was talking up the scrum. They couldn't believe that they, uh, they shoved the Maoris back the way they did. So... That's a huge buzz. Uh, on Sunday, the day after, I was at a, a family event, and just by chance on the TV, they had the uh, on a special show on Global, which is the national network, and uh, they were passing a quick documentary about the game, and, and people there at the, the family event were just just like, oh my god, what are they playing there in Murumbi? What's what is this? What's going on? They couldn't believe it because then these were people obviously didn't know about it. So huge buzz affected uh, directly the rugby community and in, and also the, the non-rugby community. It's just something that's never happened before uh, like that, and uh, that's fantastic. And, uh, I mean, my conclusion from the match is simply uh, they will do it again. We don't know if it's going to be Mario or somebody else, but they're going to line up another big fixture like this. I think what they need to also look at doing is prioritizing the uh, – 
having tests in June and November. I mean, the Confederação Brasileira de Rugby would would be really good to have, say, a, a tour to Asia to play, let's say, Hong Kong, South Korea, Africa, Kenya, Zimbabwe, Uganda, to maybe a kind of opposition, Europe, Portugal, Spain, Germany, Belgium, even even try to get a game against Italy. Why not? I mean, let's look at the Italian side which faced Ireland in Chicago. That's a midweek Italian side. Why could Brazil not try to have a match against them in Italy as a November international midweek match? So these are the kinds of things which have crossed my mind since the match happened. Brazil's got massive drawing power because it's a giant in the world, of course, and it's a huge market. Uh, everybody knows that. Uh, I like what you're saying, especially it's kind of frustrating almost that they they haven't had uh, any more uh, matches or test matches uh, in November. Uh, they have just added uh, yesterday. They announced they're going to go on a little short tour to Argentina, play Tucumán and yes. Salta. Be interesting to see what they do next year. Of course, they're not going to be in the World Cup, so we got this huge second half of the year. They're going to do something with it. On the performance itself, were, were you impressed? You know, we talked before the game about uh, Brazil maybe not being that interested in, in the arm wrestles and the real heavy stuff, but uh, they seem to be kind of up for it for this time. Oh, they were pumped up, weren't they? Yeah, uh, absolutely. They were looking at the technical aspects of their game, and they really delivered. The scrum was uh, tremendous. I mean, the Maoris basically had to go to the rolling mall to get it to get uh, themselves into scoring opportunities. It was 14-3 at one point in the match, and I was like, just talking to myself, I was like, this is this is crazy. And uh, people who who were there with me watching were, were just in awe. They couldn't believe it. So overall, I, I think the the Brazilian forwards were good. The defense was solid. Uh, Josh Reeves good at fly half. Uh, many many positives from this. I mean, I, I don't have criticism to give Brazil. It's just a, it's just a question of they're they're still new. They've been together for a long time, to, uh, which helps a lot. Being able to to have the same group training and, and playing together, America's Rugby Championship now three years of that. This has really set up uh, Brazil to be able to to play the way they have. Right, and that was, uh, you know, my next point. Looking at the America's Rugby Championship now, we've got to think that. Uh, they're going to be approaching this with a lot more confidence than they have in the past. I agree. Absolutely. I would think that it's time for Brazil to target three wins this time. I mean, they've beaten uh, Chile, Canada, and the United States in the tournament. They've beaten Argentina 15 outside it. Uh, so they've got to target three wins, I would suggest. Uh, and and it's going to, they're going to have a lot of help because they're going to have a buy round that's tremendously going to help uh, Brazil and uh, Chile in particular, those two have, have tended to have real problems backing up in, in prior editions of the tournament. So hopefully they can use that to their advantage. Before we get to uh, Las Pumas, a couple lesser, I guess, results from this weekend that weren't test matches. Uh, Chile playing the Sudamerica 15, probably not really surprised so much about the result. Chile kind of thrown together. They didn't have a lot of prep time. 38 to 21, they were defeated. Is this cause to be worried Ahead of the uh, the Maori match, I don't think so. I think it was, it was what it was. It was a, it was a game thrown together uh, ten days before. We were we're learning about it. I mean, it was a good warm up. Realistically, Chile had a chance to win the match. They in fact had had a lead in the second half. Uh, I mean, honestly, that from those those athletes involved, it, you you would say it's a good basis in place to have a competitive team when when the Liga Americana takes off. 
and also uh, it was another reflection to be able to look at compared to Brazil that, I mean, development of Chile is less clear because we've seen results directly on the field from Brazil. Uh, but uh, Chile, for example, has a very strong uh, domestic game, far better basis uh, than Brazil does in terms of that. So when they get together their, their uh, high performance center, when we're getting to have this team in the Liga Americana, hopefully we're going to start seeing uh, more of what Chile was uh, historically compared to their rivals. Yeah, for me, just looking at the uh, the roster that Chile has, it's always kind of changing. Every time we see a roster, we're never really sure what we're going to get from the Condores. And uh, they got so many guys who aren't there. Uh, is Pablo Lemoyne going to sort this out? Is he going to straighten them out and, and make some progress? I, I assume so, yes. And uh, the reports we're getting from Chile of his coaching and his attitude is that it's uh, it's highly positive. You know, they're really happy. The the players are and the administration are both really happy with what's going on. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can get a stable roster, like you say. That's what Chile desperately needs. Uh, the, the the players should be able to uh, get wins if they are in in a permanent setup. Uh, same guys together. I mean, I mean, this is why Brazil has done what it has, and Chile hasn't because one of them has. Uh, a full-time thing going on, the other one a part-time. Uruguay playing Ulster in Belfast, 21-5, the final for Ulster. Herman Kessler injured, what, about the second minute of that game? He's their, their starting hooker. And uh, Manuel Ardao, who's hardly played any minutes at all, that hooker has to go in and play in that game. So what do you make of this result? Yeah, I'm not reading so much into the outcome because... Uh, Kessler was injured, as, as, you, as you say. There were, all, as, there were also a number of others who were starters who weren't involved. I mean, rea- in, in reality, I, I think Uruguay were smart. It, it gives them good comprehension of what to expect in Japan against Fiji and Georgia because they're going to have these, the same amount of time as they did for Cardiff Blues and Ulster. Travel, backing up, uh, short rosters is tough. And so they'll, they'll be all the better for that. So I'm largely going to ignore the results. Uh, and just look at more how they played in terms of uh, getting a better understanding of, of where they are. I mean, uh, one feature that I did take out of it is this, this scrum. It's a looming problem, I think, for Uruguay for the World Cup because uh, there, there are, no, are going to be no weak scrums against them. Uh, George is one of the best in the business, and uh, even Fiji's vastly improved than historically in that area. I think that if you look at the team that played Canada in January in Vancouver, uh, basically, that's the side I would expect to play Fiji in the World Cup. Also, I guess I should say, I saw the Fiji-Scotland match and uh, really impressed with how they played in the opening half, the Fijians. Uh, very sharp, very sharp. And uh, all told, I think that probably puts them favorites against Uruguay this coming weekend. Probably 20-point margin is probably fair. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't be reading too much into Uruguay based on how they do this coming weekend because again even though they have limited player uh, players they're, they're going to be missing a third of their starters that, that's an interesting one it's going to be at uh, Hartbury College in this tiny little <laughs> just a regular <laughs> yeah. college pitch as, a, as opposed to a stadium so that's interesting so we're looking at a, a 20 point uh, win for Fiji what is Uruguay going to get out of this oh they're going to get dress rehearsal for Next year, and also they're going to get a feel of, of how they are 
compared to 2015 because they played them, of course, in the, in the World Cup last time. So basically, it's going to be a good measuring stick, both in terms of where they want to be and where they are compared to where they were. So it's going to be good to see how they, they go. I'm really interested in the scrum and, and the loose battles. And uh, Las Pumas playing against Ireland really close at halftime. Uh, 15 to 14 was the score. Final score, 28 to 17 for Ireland. Uh, what do you make of uh, Las Pumas? I think they, they played well. Uh, I mean, it, Ireland with a better team deserved the win. I think the way Ireland play means it's really hard to, to, to beat them. Just the defensive plans are, are, are just excellent. And breaking that apart, you've got to probably have the speed of the All Blacks to do. Argentina aren't there, but I mean, they, they played really well. And uh, considering we've got a, you know, a full season to go before the World Cup, uh, and Ireland are the world number two, Argentina's doing, doing better than OK. It's far better than, than uh, June, <laughs> we can say that. Uh, the starters are pretty clear, I think, in who's going to play France this coming weekend. I don't expect many changes. Possibly Gonzalo Becrano will start instead of Tomas Kubeni at scrum half. Uh, the scrum itself is obviously just giving everybody headaches. Just wanting to see how the scrum goes. I'm interested in seeing what France does because uh, France somehow did a Houdini and lost when they, when they were in no position to lose. They lost against South Africa. Just absolute madness, catastrophe what they did. I'm really looking forward to the match this weekend. Uh, I would call it dead-even contest, the match between France and Argentina. Any of them can uh, take it. Yeah, I think that's going to be uh, an exciting one for sure. we got some great rugby coming up this weekend. Uh, the USA played Samoa. Finally, they've got this monkey off their back, as it were, 30-29 to 29 the final. Will Hooley, after sli- sliding a routine penalty kick, uh, slips on the on his uh, walk-up, and then he makes up for it with a, a really difficult kick from uh, beyond 40 meters and a tough angle, slots it right down the middle for the win with time expired. Uh, what an exciting game. G- great win for the USA. Um, what do you make of this one? Tremendous. Um, I'm glad that we uh, successfully predicted the result. We didn't, you know, we, we predicted the Eagles win, but no one, I guess, would have imagined one point. Uh, they were 15-0 up, and I guess that indicates it was a bit of an off performance because if you're leave, leading by 15 points early and then you need to win at the death, then something didn't go quite right <laughs> during the middle stages. And, I mean, there were some soft tries, uh, but also there were soft tries for the Eagles. Again, this is another case of the United States beating a team for the first time and doing so with a number of the usuals or the top names not there. So that's hats off to them. It's tremendous. The Eagles now eight wins in a row. They're facing Romania this week. And Romania are going to be without four of their uh, top forwards. Uh, pretty big opportunity for them to, to pick up a win in Bucharest at this kind of makeshift Gensia Stadium and pick up win number nine. Uh, looking over now at the repechage, uh, we're getting close. After only one weekend, we're really, really close to figuring out who's going to fill that last spot at Rugby World Cup 2019. Uh, Canada absolutely destroying Kenya. Um, well, a little bit shaky in the first half. Second half, they just blew them away. And then uh, Hong Kong, a really close battle with Germany. Again, it was even Stevens after the first half. Second half, uh, the last quarter, really, the, the German forwards just ground down that, that Hong Kong side and, uh, and, and got the win. Both results pretty much as we expected. So it's Canada versus Germany this weekend, basically. 
is the decider. Uh, I'm a little bit <laughs> nervous. Uh, do you have any kind of sense of where this is going to go? I, Canada are going to take it. I, it's a winner-take-all. It's not. We're going to have a, an extra round, but, but essentially the masks are pretty pretty conclusive. There's an article on, on the website explaining this. Uh, I think Canada will defeat Germany. Hong Kong will uh, get the win against uh, Kenya. Uh, Kenya will just... It was, they were not good enough, were they? Uh, it's unfortunate but, uh, because we would like, obviously, to see... Uh, four Repertoire sides who, who are of the caliber to play in the World Cup. So hopefully the dream of 2014 World Cup can become a reality. Um, I would think in terms of Hong Kong, Kenya, or I'd give Hong Kong a 20-point uh, win there. And uh, Canada, I guess, let's go for nine points over Germany. <laughs> well, that, that sounds pretty good to me. Oh. <laughs> I will certainly take that uh, That. You know, if they get the win this weekend, that's pretty damn close to being in. Well, that sounds good to me. I think we've covered just about everything. So, uh, again, we've got another crazy weekend coming up. Uh, Looking forward to some good rugby, and we'll check in with you again next week, Paul. Absolutely. Paul Tate of America's Rugby News. You can find him on Twitter at Argentina underscore 2027. Tomorrow is an awfully big day for Canadian rugby. The pivotal match of the World Cup repechage. 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, Eastern Time. You can watch that on TSN. Also a potentially historic day for Germany. Um, We got the inside scoop in the Canadian camp last week from Evan Olmsted. This week, I wanted to connect with uh, the bad guys, so to speak. So joining us now from Marseille is Germany's attack coach, Mr. Paul Healy. Paul, thanks very much for giving us your time. uh, You've been a very busy man all week. Uh, How's the week been? Oh, no, yeah. Oh, mate, it's been a pretty good week, actually. So, you know, it obviously helped us winning our first game with Hong Kong. So, whilst there's always pressure, um, the boys have been very um, calm and composed, and that's obviously come from, you know, our preparation, I guess. So, in round one, you got the win over Hong Kong. A lot of people were kind of picking Hong Kong to win the whole thing. It looked like the guys stuck to the game plan pretty well. Um, frustrated Hong Kong's attack with the kicking game, and then uh, scrambled pretty well in defense. Uh, you'd obviously done your homework uh, on them. Did you expect them to stay in the game as long as they did? Good question. I've been asked that question a few times. Yeah, yeah, we probably did. It was a little bit of an unknown for us, but um, as you said, obviously Hong Kong have been focusing on this and preparing for two or three years now for this chance with this repertoire charge and. And I think, Brian, I think we surprised a lot of people, but we didn't surprise ourselves with the work we've been doing for the last three months. Albeit, you know, we had one sort of practice game against Portugal, but um, just with the guys that we've brought in and the new, you know, some new staff and things just going really well. And obviously, time's gone by, German teams do fall off at the end, but it seemed to work the other way for us. We're in the last 20 minutes or 25 minutes all our systems and, and our protocols started to click in and the guys got stronger and stronger towards the end of the game, which is always a good sign. Yeah, you know, you could see the, the forwards really wore them down, especially towards that final quarter. Um, you beat them up in the scrum pretty well, but maybe uh, one observation for that game was maybe the line-out wasn't quite as sharp as it could have been, uh, you know, given the team's obvious uh, tactical kicking advantage. Uh, that must be one of the main work-ons this week is tightening up around the line-out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 
you know, we were reasonably happy with the line-out. It's just, you know, a few times what we did off the line-out, but um, the, the ball worked really well. I thought we, we, we set up really well there and we were quite dominant. And as you said, yeah, the scrum was, you know, the scrum was really, we really attacked their scrum and got some, some advantage out of that. And obviously when the subs came on, they continue that momentum and, um, yeah, we were pretty happy with that part of the game. Obviously, you've got to work on things every week, don't you? So uh, we've worked on little things that we, you know, we'll put in place this week, and hopefully we can continue, continue, you know, and play for another eighty minutes, which would be great. Yeah, I mean, tomorrow is, I guess, the big game against Canada. Was there anything you saw from their game against Kenya uh, that stood out for you, or did it pretty much go the way you expected? Yeah, I think, I think. There'll be no surprises. I don't think Canada can show us because we've done some pretty good analysis. And, um, yeah, that game against Kenya, you know, Kenya were in that game for a long way. It's just that they, they um, fell off towards the end and Canada obviously had their systems in place and things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, as I said, I think we've done the homework on, on Canada and we've just got to make sure that we do the things that we want to do and execute them as best we can, you know. Yeah, I mean, we heard Mike uh, just a couple of days ago just posting a short little clip online how he thought Canada's style was you know, similar to Hong Kong, only obviously they're a bit bigger and a lot more experienced. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't imagine you tried to you know, reinvent the wheel or anything this week, but what do you see as the, the biggest challenge that Canada poses? Oh, obviously, you know, they're quite, as you said, they're quite experienced. Um, you know, Phil Mack directs traffic a lot from from the nine position, and their five eight kicks a fair bit. But um, obviously, their wingers, you know, one of their wingers is is blessed with a lot of speed. But um, look, you know, we're 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 going into that game, you know, not not overconfident, but we're confident we can match in most areas. And as you said, they're pretty much like Hong Kong, just a little bit more experienced. And um, if they can play for eighty minutes, then it'll be it'll be a tough game, you know. And um, there, there was a, a pretty significant weapon in your arsenal that didn't take the field against Hong Kong because of injury. That's uh, Hagen Schult, uh, that uh, Kiwi fly half you've got with a pretty handy left boot. Uh, the, uh, the team's going to come out, I guess, probably in a couple hours now or pretty soon. Uh, is he ready to go? Is he going to be playing in this one? Well, yeah, I don't know if he'll be playing because he's just come back from a, about an eight-week injury on his thumb and because he's been playing in Bucharest at, at the old club that I coach there, and um, yeah, but he's he's, a, he's you're right, he's a very good footballer. Obviously, you've seen a lot of him, and um, we're just not too sure too sure what what we'll do with him at the moment. But um, he'll be in the mix somewhere, I imagine. And as you said, he's got a very good left boot, and he's a very good uh, organizer of the game. He, he understands, you know, understands his role. So for us, that's that's good, you know, because so, last week we went with a 6-2 bench because of the fact that we needed, you know, we needed to keep maintain that momentum in the forwards and, and giving us an extra forward in the in the on the substitutions gave us some gave us some more options so we're not too sure we might do it. we might go with a 5-3 bench this weekend and just to see 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 what happens you know but um that we'll make that decision in the next few hours like you said so um yeah that's 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 sort of what, how we're looking at playing the game so and you've been with the team since uh, well, since January. So you've experienced some of the the, the off-field turmoil that's been going on. Is that still lingering at all in the background? No, it's not, Brian. Like obviously, as you said, you you sort of know you and Paul know what was going on, and 
Um, yeah, it was a real struggle in February, March, April to get through those games. And obviously, you know, if we didn't stand up and get through those games and do what we did, we wouldn't be in this position now. So you sort of think, well, things happen for a reason, I guess. And um, we're still standing up now and a chance to go to the World Cup. So that was probably never expected. But um, you always take a little bit of luck that you get and, 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 and grab it with two hands and... Um, to answer your question, no, not really. Um, after we played Portugal and qualified for the record charge with Samoa, a lot of things changed and, um, you know, a lot of attitudes changed, a lot of things changed in the management side of it and a uh, new president came in and he's been, you know, really, really supportive of everything and um, then, you know, obviously now this campaign, the last two or three months with Mike coming in and, and, and and the staff we've got now and the access to the players, it's 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 been a very very good preparation. And you know, obviously with my experience, I've seen a lot of preparations along the way. But this is this is really a really good preparation for a team like Germany. You know, it sounds like you guys are pretty positive. I mean, you know, given the potential outcomes of this match and how the schedule works, I think it's it's fair to say this is probably the the biggest game in in German rugby history. I know you guys have had a, a a sports psychologist working with the team in the build up. So you know, is the mood in camp good? Are they are they feeling the pressure at all heading into this? Oh, well, obviously, they you know people deal with their own pressures. But no, look to answer your question, Brian. As I said, the preparation's been faultless. We've we've really left no stone unturned in 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 trying to get these guys to be the best they can, and as you said, you know maybe create a bit of history for German rugby and um, and also it's a reward for their effort as well, you know. So um, yeah, it's it's the mood in the camp's really good, you know. The guys are happy and everything's we're dealing with things as they come and you know things seem to be calm, and, which is a great thing going forward into such a big game. So. We just need to transfer all that on the field tomorrow. You know, you were mentioning a minute ago about your experience. You, you got a pretty unique perspective. Of course, you're from Australia. You've also coached in you know, Spain, Romania, Chile, Brazil. Uh, so regardless of the, the outcome of this tournament, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on World Cup expansion? Is the time right to jump to, you know, say 24 teams? Oh, I think absolutely, mate. You know, like I think, you know, 2023 is another four years away, but I just think obviously World Rugby have ideas of, obviously we're trying to, you know, qualified countries like Germany, Brazil, where economically and 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 um, and, log- and logistically, you know, playing a World Cup in France with 24 teams would be, would be a, a massive boost for rugby around the world, but give people and countries opportunities that they may not never get, you know. So obviously there's going to have to be a different format, as as we all know. But, um, you know, like for me, as I said, I coached at a World Cup in 2003 with Uruguay and Uruguay is was back then was a, a very similar nation to Germany and, and what it did for rugby in Uruguay and, and South America was 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 unbelievable. So that sort of thing would boost... World Rugby's outlook on, on, on you know, and, and getting into places that want to play rugby. and So, yeah, I guess, you know, it's a good thing. Uh, you know, it gives people things to strive for and lower-tier lower countries to to try and organise themselves and, and, and develop players and put in performance um, centres. And uh, just, as I said, it obviously have to be how World Rugby decide that they want to 
go by that because it's difficult. Like, you know, we would go into a pool of New Zealand, Italy, uh, Namibia, and and one other. You know, so it's and Japan, I think. So, you know, and the same happened when I was with Uruguay in two thousand and three. We actually, because we qualified in the last place of the river charge, we end up in a pool of England, South Africa, Samoa, Georgia, and England won the tournament. You know, so. Um, that's a different different thing now. So look, you just you just obviously want to get to a World Cup, and it's unbelievable for the people involved, and also for the sport going forward in each of these countries. So yeah, I guess I guess that's it's 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 a good idea, and and if things work out, then I'm sure that they'll come up with the right format. We've seen the progress that the Uruguay has made since then, obviously, and even in the last few years, they've. They've really, uh, they've really jumped it up. Obviously, they beat Canada uh, this time around in the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, when it comes to closing that gap with with the tier one sides, uh, what do you see as the biggest obstacle for the the tier two, tier three, whatever you want to call them now? Uh, is there a common pitfall in their development, or is it just a matter? Is it a matter of this funding? Is it exposure? What do you think the big biggest obstacle is? Oh, I think it's a, a bit of all that, Brian. You know, it's um, obviously. <laughs> It's it's um, not the major sports in a lot of countries in Europe, you know, like football really, especially in Brazil and and Chile and and, and places like that. Even Germany, football's massive, um, and and you know the the way you've got to try and develop it, set up high performance centres and and just increase the awareness of rugby. Um, closing the gap, I'm not too sure. I mean, obviously we perform well against Samoa in that rapid charge in the second game, so look, it's possible for a lot of teams to bridge the gap as you said you've got to have the funding you've got to have the right you've got to have the right um procession plan and, and and move forward and make sure things are put in place so you can actually improve the rugby and improve the awareness of rugby in these countries but you've also got to you've got to try and develop and you've got to have participation and so it's a lot of work brian but it's definitely possible done the right way and and, and with the right people pushing towards the same goal, then, you know, it's definitely attainable. Did you happen to catch the uh, the Maori game against Brazil last weekend? I saw highlights of it, you know. I, I think, well, I saw highlights of it. So, yeah, the, the, the Brazilian scrum pushed them around a little bit. So that was that was a positive thing for those guys, I guess. You spent almost a year and a half down there working yeah. with those guys. It had to feel pretty good to see them kind of competing, coming away from that game not with a, a you know a huge cricket score or anything. Yeah, I think they you know they they're sort of moving in the right direction there. But they they've got the high performance academies and stuff set up around Brazil, and they're obviously getting a little bit more assistance from World Rugby because there's so many Argentinians in that in that um, in Brazil rugby running Brazil rugby. So they're obviously you know um, ticking the right boxes. So the thing is, is for them too, Brian. It's also about development. When I was there, it was very hard to get kids to participate in rugby. One is because of football, two is logistically, and three is economically. You know, kids couldn't afford to play rugby. They don't play rugby in school and anywhere like that. And that's also another problem. You know, there's there's no structure through schools or development there, whereas in Australia and, and, and everywhere else, you know, rugby's played at school and you, you finish playing rugby at school and you move into the club system. So... It's a it's a natural progression to where you want to be. So um, yeah, there is a lot of work, but I think Brazil were okay. They were obviously never going to win the game, and obviously the weather was it was pouring with rain. So 
Um, but they did well, you know, and, and that's what you want. You want to see these lower nations um, perform as the best they can against teams that are obviously going to be better, you know. So, yeah, it's, um, I believe Chile are playing the All Black Marys this weekend as well. So that'll be a, that'll be a definite um, guideline as to how they're going as well. Now Pablo's gone there to coach them. I was talking to uh, Josh Reeves, actually, uh, just a couple oh, yeah. couple days ago. Yeah. He's headed to uh, to play for Utah in Major League Rugby. Um, yeah. you know, uh, Aaron Schramm, of course, on, on, on your team for Germany right now, he's going to be yeah. headed there as well. Yeah. Um, so, And I guess the plan is there will be several of the South Americans, Uruguayans, uh, Brazilians. I don't know if any of the Chileans yet will go. But um, I guess the plan is to go and – kind of acclimatize themselves to professional rugby and then uh, participate in this new South uh, proposed South American uh, competition uh, coming up, I guess, 2020 is the, the plan. You think this will be a, a, a big development uh, opportunity for South America, for that region? Oh, for sure, Brian. It has to be, you know. I mean, they've, they've been needing something like this for a long time and obviously with, you know, Augustine Pichol being the vice president of world rugby and, and being South American and Argentinian, you know, that drive to try and build up that part of the world is, 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 is paramount. You know, teams like Paraguay, Chile, um, Colombia, uh, all those sorts of teams, you know, so I think it, I think it's a possibility, but I think also too, those guys like Josh and, and Aaron and, a few other guys from Uruguay going to play in a, in a good competition is only going to be beneficial. One is for them, but two is also for the country they play for because they come back and um, they understand the, the level of competition they need to be at and where they have to be to, to play at, you know, in a World Cup qualifier or or you know major games in the in the November and June windows. So major international games. So. Um, it's a good thing, you know. I think for countries like that, whilst their development is like it is, and Germany's the same, is you know you have to try and get your better players playing professionally outside, um, so they keep the standard. Looking at your situation at the moment, do I have it right that uh, at least yourself and and Mike and I don't know about the rest of the coaching team, uh, you're only co- contracted through the end of this kind of the end of this year or the end of this repechage process? Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right, mate. Look, I, I, yeah, I, we've been contracted. Well, after, after Samoa, you know, then yeah, we're contracted through till the end of December. Um, obviously, Mike's the head coach, and Cobus Podgitu is the director of rugby. And there's myself and looking after the attack, and then Morris Botha is looking after defence, and then we've got Peter Yordan is the backs coach. So uh, they've been. Peter and my and Peter and Cobus have been involved with the Wild Titans Academy and stuff with German rugby for a long time, and you know, with Mike coming in and um, myself and, and Mo, um, we've got a really really good coaching staff, and um, you know, we can cover every base there with this different skill set, and um, you know, Mike's been brilliant coming in and and setting things up, and uh, so yeah, so yeah. To answer your question, I guess, yeah, we're only contracted here till the end of December. Um, whatever happens after the rep charge, you know, in a positive way, then obviously things have got to move forward. But if, if, if um, things don't work out, then I'm not too sure where German rugby really stands. Then, you know, it's um, it's a difficult situation, I guess. But we've got to think positive to say, well, we're going to go to a World Cup and then obviously things have to be organised and contracts have to be done and, 
you know, try and organise a professional group of players as well as a professional group of coaches and facilities and obviously finance and sponsors and so it all begins, I guess, mate. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, it's all it's all exciting and it's all it's all uh, positive going forward. And as I said, the, the team's in a good space and 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 we're really looking forward to tomorrow. You know. Yeah, so it's just wait and see, really, for you, and kind of yeah, that's show what the happens. worst part, isn't it? You know, you sort of the job's done now. It's over to the boys, and um, obviously, game day you can make some te- technical changes and different things like that. But you know, it's up to them now to just grab the ball and run with it. And it's a wonderful opportunity for all these guys, and they're a great bunch of guys. And you know, they deserve everything, everything they put in, everything they get out of what they put in. You know. All right, so I'll put you on the spot then. What's your prediction? How's the game going to go tomorrow? I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> uh, look, mate, look, we're, we're, we're confident that we'll perform well. And, you know, and obviously you go into a game and think you can win, you know, after the game we played against Hong Kong and, and we've just developed again all this week and worked hard. So, you know, it's there. It's, the game's there to be won, you know. All right, we'll we'll leave it at that. Thanks very much, Paul. I really appreciate you giving us your time today. You know, you guys do a great job. Uh, you know, the stuff you write, and I've made any time, any anything you need, just yell out. I'm always here. Uh, best of luck this weekend, but but not too much luck because I'm Canadian, so you know, slightly biased. Yeah, no, yeah so don't tell them any secrets, eh? <laughs> no promises. That was Paul Healy, assistant coach with Germany. What a game that is going to be tomorrow. I am nervous, excited. I have no idea how any of those poor players are going to get any sleep tonight. I could certainly never sleep the night before a big game. Anyway, that's enough for now. Thanks to Josh Reeves and Paul Healy. For Paul Tate, I'm Brian Ray. You can find me on Twitter at RaysRugby, R-A-Y-S Rugby. It's snowing outside, out my window here in Canada right now. That's a sign, right? That's got to be a good sign. I'm going with a good sign. Enjoy your rugby weekend.